Hey guys, before we jump into the show, have you heard about our WGT challenge we got going on? It's a really fun way to get involved and play a game with Zach and I and the rest of the BSN family. All you got to do is go to freewgt.com, download the app, and get in on our weekly challenge. We will set a new hole tomorrow. Congratulations to Gunner, who won a free BSN t-shirt for getting closest to the hole last week. So once we find the hole, all you got to do is get closest, and you'll win the weekly prize or... If you just keep playing every week, you're going to get an extra entry into the grand prize, which is your choice of tickets or a jersey. Pretty fun thing to do. Let's hop into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curds from mile high, the best part of the weekend. Hugging the perfect they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in every day with the good folks down at BSN Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. It's game-changing coffee. The Broncos probably could have used some game-changing coffee before this game tonight because... As we'll talk about here in a second, Zach, they came out very uh, uncaffeinated or decaffeinated. Uh, but Strava Craft Coffee will get you right, whether it's a football game or whether you're just trying to attack the day. So check out Strava Craft Coffee. All right, man, let's dive right into this. It was rough. It was rough from the start. It was rough in the middle. Got a little exciting at the end. And I, I, I kind of wanted to delay getting to this take, but it's the number one thing on my mind. I just can't help but think about how freaking much it looked like so many losses we've seen over the last few years. It's the same stuff, different year. I, I should probably use a different word instead of stuff, Ryan. But it's the same thing, just a different year, even though the Broncos did everything different. This offseason, they tried to, to make it so this wouldn't happen, yet it was the exact same thing. We come out of the gate, what do we see? Tight ends destroying them. Then what do we see? It just continues. They don't do anything to, to help Isaac Yadam out there. They just let him continue to get beat, continue to beat. Uh, and then as the game goes on, game management issues left and right. Even after hearing um, from Rich Gangrello last week that Vic Fangio is, what, extremely good at game management. And then also hearing from uh, Harbaugh earlier this offseason about how good uh, Vic Fangio is at game management. And in fact, when he was in San Francisco, he was so good. We don't see that at all. It, it, it reminded me so much of the past few years. I am someone, uh, I'm normally the guy who takes a positive look on things, and I would have been fully willing before this game to say, hey, there's a chance they come out with a loss, and I think I did say that uh, on, the, on, the, on the most recent podcast. I said, hey, week one is weird, Oakland is weird, stuff can get weird, and there's a chance they come out on the end of this with a loss, and I was very willing to come into this game and, and leave it saying, hey, it's week one. Stuff happens, and and there is a small part of me that does still feel that way, and, and and thinks, okay, you know, there's anything can, you know, you just go beat the Bears next week, and you're one and one, and it feels like this never happened. But, 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 I cannot help but be very, very bothered by how much it looked like a classic Broncos loss. You mentioned it; it was the tight end. It was, uh, you know, a little errors that just build up on you you know whether it's a holding on a drive that kills uh, your your momentum all of this stuff that we've seen over and over again and then you add in this this extra wrinkle which really really bugged me and I'm gonna write a whole thing about this tonight because it just it made my skin crawl to watch it there was never and I truly mean never a sense of urgency never it never came I mean, you didn't see it on the first snap of the game. You didn't feel like it was like, wow, it's finally football season. You know, like you, you, you watch some of these games around the league. Actually, I probably watch every game around the league at one point or another this week. And there's the opening kickoff, right? And you fly down there and you make a play and everyone's going wild. And like, there's so much energy in the, cr and like, and there's just none of that. 
And as they're driving with two minutes to go in the first uh, half, or actually three and a half, I think they had to go score, just walking up to the line, letting 20 seconds run off. They end up not getting nothing. With four minutes left, they have the ball. They're down by two scores. Got to get two touchdowns. Just letting 20 seconds run off between plays. I was like uncomfortable. I was like squirming watching it because I just, I don't know. It, I'm not, I'm not going to give away my whole story because I have a, a theory on why this happened tonight, but it really, really bothered me to see a team just look eh, the whole time. And that's the exact same thing as years past. It all ties together. And Ryan, there's one thing that I do not want to hear from anyone about this game. And that's, oh, well, look, the, the Broncos almost came back. They, they looked a lot better in the second half. Yeah, they looked better when the Oakland Raiders said, we beat you already. We're going to let you get yards. We're going to let you get touchdowns. That's when you looked better. I guess you did have some yards in the third quarter when the Raiders weren't full in that mode. You had 128 yards in the third quarter. Congratulations. It got you six points. Six points. You're kicking field goals. That's no different than these pastures. That will never win you games. If that's all you're going to do, they get their touchdown when the Raiders said, here, have a touchdown. Enjoy it. Feel good about yourself in your last game in the Oakland Coliseum. That... Was it positive? Sure. But the Raiders said, the Raiders allowed you to do that. The Broncos got beat in every single part of this game. Every phase of offense, every phase of defense, every phase of special teams that you were allowed to have in this game, they got beat. And that's the most concerning thing, is it wasn't like this was a close game and Raiders, you know, one because of a weird play that happened on the the baseball field part, you know? And you're coming away saying, ah, we at least won half of that game. No, the Broncos got beat in every single fashion of this game, and that's the most concerning part to me. I will give them this, because I feel like a lot of what you said was right. I will give them the fact that they did come out in the second half when the game was still relevant, and, and the game was still very much in reach. And they moved the ball, and they got in a position. Was it the first one that they were about to score, or the second one that Deshaun had the drop? Second. So they had a chance there, Zach, to make it a 14-10 game. And I tweeted before that drive, hey, you got a chance to reset the whole thing right here. You know, because similarly to my buffs, shout out. <laughs> That'll get a smile out of me. <laughs> similarly to my buffs, they had come out in the second half and – shown that things had changed, right? They moved it down. They got a field goal. They forced a three and out. They got the ball. It's like, ooh, here it is. Here's where the momentum flips. And that's why I tweeted. I said they got a chance to reset the whole thing, wipe the whole slate clean. It's a four-point game with all with the whole world in front of you. And that ball inexplicably drops to the ground, and I do truly believe that is a game-changing play right there. But a lot of what you said is right. A lot of what you said is right in the fact that, yes, Joe Flacco ends with a over 100 passer rating. Yes, he actually outgained Derek Carr in the passing yards category. All of this is true, but you have a long play to Emmanuel Sanders when it's essentially over. You got a long one to Sutton on the next drive. You got a touchdown to, uh, to Emmanuel, which it didn't even feel like the DB was trying, like a super weak effort there. And so the, the stats got padded. And, and that was another thing that felt so much like Broncos games we've seen before. Like, dead all game, nothing from the offense. Finally, at the end of the game, you get one score, which makes it an actually possible game that's within reach. And then, you know, the hopes and dreams end up crumbling on a sem somewhat anti in a somewhat anticlimactic way. The Raiders stopped trying at halftime. They said, we have this game. We're going to, to play uh, the game of just not let this fully slip out, which, you know what that reminds me of, Ryan? It reminds me of the last few years, go figure. Because remember, at pretty much every coach that the Broncos would play uh, that, would, that would get a lead on the Broncos and then it would slowly slip away, I mean, even the great Sean McVay would admit after the game, yeah, we probably went in to prevent that type of uh, game plan a little too early on the Broncos. And what did they do? Even with Case Keenum, they were able to come back and 
just lose the game. Make it make it interesting where the people that that turned off the game or picked up the remote to turn it off with eight minutes left in the game. One play happens and they're like, ah, wait, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna put the remote down, not gonna change the channel, and then it still ends up in, in the loss. That's exactly what this game was. Ryan, at halftime. The Broncos were on pace to have 160 yards of offense for the game. The Raiders were on pace to have 438 yards of offense, and then they they just they just shut it down again. Uh, you know, a little credit to the to the Broncos for coming out hot, but in in reality, this it was bad. I don't know if the Raiders pulled the plug that early because again, like I said, if Deshaun Hamilton catches that pass. It could have very quickly been twenty. It could have very quickly been seventeen, fourteen Broncos. Like it was, it was shortly thereafter. I think that the Raiders pulled the plug on their offense because they just knew that that the Broncos weren't going to be able to do anything. weren't going to be able to finish a drive. Um, I will. How about we focus on the positives real quick? Corlin Sutton, best game of his career. Uh, he, I think, I think it might have all been on the same route, but still. He racked up some big plays. Joe Flacco definitely has the timing down with Cortland as it comes to running the the slant. Um, they just kept pounding that and, and, and slant and post really just over and over again, depending on the depth. That's great to see. Um, other than some really, really big rookie mistakes, Noah Fant made uh, a couple plays, which is something we haven't been able to say much from that position in a long time. Phil and Royce had moments um they look like a duo that can really be a one-two punch if this offensive line can block for them Mm, trying to think if there's anything i'm missing here brandon mcmanus is still really good from inside 60 yards (laughs) there's one other thing on the defensive side of the ball you found out that kareem jackson could be that guy to come through in the clutch situations when the Broncos needed the stop. Uh, not not at the end of the game when it was out of hand, when it was still close, end of third quarter, fourth quarter, Kareem Jackson comes up and has a Kareem Jackson series. He takes over that series to force, I don't know if it was a three and out um, or just a quick punt after the Broncos scored to get get the Broncos, keep the momentum going. That He showed that, yeah, he doesn't have any Pro Bowls, but he can be worth that, the big $11 million that they paid him. Uh, and that's, that's huge because we didn't see anything from Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, which we'll get to why later in this podcast, why we didn't see anything from them. But you, you need a playmaker. The, this team has been without a play. They, they have great players on the defensive side of the ball at pretty much every level, but they need the playmaker. And you saw a flash that it could be him. He could be your clutch guy. One more. No turnovers on offense. Which actually makes it maybe more uh, concerning that they put up such a low number. Especially before garbage time. It's not as if there was a tipped ball that ended a, uh, a drive. Technically, there should have been a fumble that ended the drive. Although, technically, it should have been a face mask. Which might have actually had that drive end in a touchdown. Again, another, you know, it, it is funny how even when it feels like you got utterly and completely outplayed, you could still point to a couple moments where if one thing had have gone this way or the other way, the, the game could have changed. Like the, the, uh, the Hamilton drop and that, that uh, face mask. You take those two things and change what the outcome was and potentially the entire momentum shifts enough of this positivity from you ryan you're trying to bring that back into this podcast i'm not going to allow it we we need to talk about why vaughn and chubb were complete non-factors and probably a few reasons but there's one huge reason let's talk about it after this we will talk about it after this and and if there's anything that can brighten up your night after a loss like that, it certainly can only be Breckenridge Bruce. Oh, I thought I was gonna say. I thought you were gonna say your smile. Oh no! I mean, if you want to talk about the Buffs, <laughs> this night will turn around real quick, real quick for me. Uh, but Breckenridge Bruce, shout out to them. I had a few of them before that Buffs game. Mm. A few other things as well. <laughs> um, but they, they were they were a go to. Everyone I've 
talked to says, man, every one of these beers I've had, yep. they're all what? Damn good yep. beers. Uh, and, and damn good beers are the only thing that can save you from damn bad football. <laughs> so head over to your local liquor store, uh, whether it be Davidson's or Total Beverage or anywhere else, uh, and grab yourself some Breckenridge beers. And Zach, it felt like the electricity went out for the Broncos today. Uh, and so what did they needed to do? They needed to call Piper Electric. <laughs> That's a damn good segue. Because they were in need of a top dog electrician. For over 35 years, Piper Electric has been the most fairly priced, dependable, and trustworthy electrical. One of the most fairly priced, dependable, and trustworthy electrical contract companies in the Denver community. Call 303-646-6765, and they'll give you the BSN back-to-school hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric, which means maybe they can help the Broncos. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the business, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call. Piper Electric, save the Broncos. (laughs) Certainly no electricity from what we believed to be the best pass rush duo in the NFL, but Zach... Is that the fault of those two or the fault of a faulty game plan? What did we see one year ago? Nearly one year ago from today, we saw what Derek Carr loves to do. Now, the Broncos beat the Raiders when they played him last year, but what did Derek Carr do? He set a personal record for completion percentage going up against the Broncos because what did he do? He dropped back half a step. I mean, he barely got his back foot down by the time he, w- he was yanking those passes off. It was to neutralize. <laughs> he was doing what now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he was doing something quick. <laughs> it was to neutralize. Choke over here. <laughs> Chubb and Vaughn. And that was under Vance Joseph, right? Everyone's saying, oh, Vance, what are you doing, VJ? You're just letting, letting Derek do exactly what he wants to do different guy a genius a head a defensive mastermind same thing same same exact thing and it was one of the first things we noticed when the Broncos were on defense we looked at each other and said what are they doing playing six seven eight nine ten eleven yards off the line of scrimmage I don't know I really don't know uh but let me ask you this where's your threshold for if you give up if you give up this many points, you should win. Like, you know, there's these games where, like, the Rockies will go out and their starter gives them six innings of three-run baseball and their bullpen gives up one and they lose four to one. And, you're, and you feel like, man, that's, that one's not really on the pitching staff, right? Yep. What's the number in football? It should always be if you hold them to under 20. Okay. Always. I think 21 is, your, is, a, is a fair place to be. Like, if you give up 21 – you needed to score more than that. 24 is kind of close. It's kind of close to my threshold of, man, you couldn't score 24. But, but, but we knew this offense was anemic. And, and, and we talked about it and you wrote about it because Rich Scangarello essentially told us yep. on Friday afternoon Hey, it's not all about points and and yards. It's just about winning. Yep. Yep. Truly. Actually, he he did say it's not all about, uh, what was it, production, uh, offensive, the offensive production and and numbers or something like that. He, I don't think he ever said points, but he said it is about winning. And, and, and I've never really heard a coach before they even set foot on the field start to tell you, hey, it's okay if we win 10-3, <laughs> you know? And so with that in mind, because I do look back and say, well, the um, the score of that game last year, I believe, was 23-21 Broncos. So they were pretty close on defense to having the same same game plan, same uh, result. Yep. But the offense let them down. But with that in mind, like we knew the we knew the offense wasn't going to be able to go win the game. Yep. They just needed to not lose it. So that's why I would have had a far more aggressive game plan. And we're talking about the Oakland Raiders. The Antonio Brownless 
Oakland Raiders. The drama-filled, he is running, screaming how happy he is to be gone from the Oakland Raiders. Oakland Raiders. That's who we're talking, what, 20, 48 hours ago? This all went down before this game. And you, you can't help but connect the dots or try to connect the dots by seeing all of this drama that played out with the Raiders. Obviously, the Broncos saw what was going on. Vic Fangio said that the players knew that Antonio Brown was released before he did, so they're very in sync with it. This was this was great drama. I mean, we love the drama. They love the drama just as much as we did watching it all play out. And then the slow start and the lack of urgency. You, you can't help but say, huh, did the Broncos think this was a gimme? Think they were just going to roll in here despite losing three straight games in Oakland up to this point, and uh, they just thought they were going to roll over that the Raiders were going to roll over and the Broncos were going to destroy him. It ha- it's hard to not just jump to that conclusion. If you felt that way after winning 11 games over the last two seasons, fold the franchise. There's no way. There's no way this team could have been overconfident. They shouldn't they they can't be overconfident ever in a game. So I'm just going to for my own sanity believe that that was not the case. My thing is I just think they came in too calm. And again, I'm going to write more about this later, but like, I don't know. I just, I didn't necessarily feel confidence from them. And I felt a ton of confidence from the Raiders. Like maybe it's false confidence on their part and and they're not as good as they feel like they are, but I respect them for feeling like they're good. Like they came out and and I think they truly thought they were going to do exactly what they did to the Broncos. They were going to beat them in all three phases uh, the Broncos had no answer for Waller. Derek Carr was going to slice and dice him, and Josh Jacobs was going to run it down their throats. Yep. And their defense was going to push the Broncos' offensive line back, and their offense was going to push the Broncos' defensive line back. And you know what? Like Whether they spoke it into existence or what, they made it happen. The Broncos, I just felt, were kind of just, hey, we'll just go do our thing, and whatever happens, happens. Right, and Ryan, what's one of the great things about Vic Fangio and Joe Flacco. It's they both have this unique trait separate of them or separate of each other. It's that they're comfortable in their own skin, own skin. Joe's Joe, right? Uh, that that's what we've heard he he's he's calm when they're good, he's calm when they're bad. Some people like it, some people don't, but he's Joe. He he's always going to be like that. Vic, come on. That guy's as comfortable in his own is his own skin in his own skin um, as anyone else. So that means they're probably not going to be fake. Well, doesn't it come from the, one of those guys, this personality and the, this this fire? And if one of these guys maybe fakes it then it, to, to spark a team, then it, it's just going to spark them potentially even more? Maybe you need Vic grabbing Deshaun Williams on the sideline and running him back 10 yards like he did in training camp. Maybe you need a moment from Vic to, whoa. You know, the players around me are like, whoa, this is real. Light a fire. Maybe you need Joe to come out and not just be, uh, well, I'll walk up to the line of scrimmage now. Maybe you need him running over to Emmanuel Sanders, who, who's maybe jogging to the line, and, and tell him to, to hurry up. They, they needed something like that, and that's just not the personality of this team right now. And that's bad. And again, look for more from me on that later. Um, another thing that I don't, know, I don't know if we've talked about yet, the play calling on offense. Ugh. Just uninspiring. Um, there was a lot of people are harping on this, so I don't want to harp on it too much, but it is fresh on my mind right now. You get all the way down to the five yard line, doing things you do well, and then you got you just got you tried to get cute with it. You tried to throw this weird screen out with all like five guys over on the left side, and I'm just like, mm. would have looked great if it worked, but that. I just don't know if that was the time. Like you had all this momentum going forward. Keep going forward. Don't go no- don't go east west when north south is working for you. So I I didn't like to see that. In fact, I don't know. I can't think of a single play all night where they went east west and something good happened. You had the Fant play at the very beginning of the game. That went south. That went yeah. Literally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it, was, it tried to go east west and it went south. <laughs> It's not what you're looking for. Um, you have that one. 
I can't think of a screen that popped ever. Nope. Um, anything that they were going the other way was not working. And I just feel like as a play caller, you got to have a sense for that and say, you know what? Let's run a play action pass here or something. Just, uh, well, how, how about this to, to play into that even more? I don't remember exactly what drive it was in the fourth quarter, uh, first play of the possession, and and Ryan, you say something like, "Okay, here's your here's your opportunity to take a shot," or it was something like, "Every play from here needs to be looking deep," something like that. What's the first play they do? They do a, a shotgun little sweep handoff oh. to Royce Freeman, and it. I felt like this wasn't on Royce. This was the play calling where the sweep was just supposed to be, you know, a levy on Bell kind of. He's just gonna walk behind the line, behind the offensive lineman, and try to find a hole. But before he could even turn it up, before any hole was developing, he was just swallowed up, you know, one yard behind the line of scrimmage. And that was like, what? Because it's going to exactly what you're saying. Uh, it didn't seem like urgency was there within the play. It didn't seem like the. It seemed like the play calling was terrible. They were going east and west instead of instead of trying to go north and push it down the field. And we're not talking about, uh, you know, a setup play when maybe that turns into some crazy play later in the game. No, that's like four minutes left. You need it to be moving the ball. That lack of urgency, again, just just really rubbed me the wrong way more than anything else maybe. It was just this, we're, we're good, we're good, we're yep. good. No, no need to rush here. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my God, yes. There is a need to rush. And... Man, we pointed it out every time it happened last season, so I might as well point it out again. No uh, jump ball for Cortland Sutton once mm. they cross the 50. Mm. I just feel like that should be a rule. Isn't like, you know how – oh, God, who is it? There is an NFL play caller, Matt Nagy. He has a – in big letters on the corner of his play sheet, it says B-U. The Broncos, Rich Gangrello needs to write in big letters on the f- corner of his play sheet. <laughs> At least throw it up to Cortland Sutton once a game. <laughs> and you know what? That would have played into everything we're talking about that went wrong. That would have gone the opposite. It, it would have been uh, go, taking a shot, trying to gain big yards when you needed to. It would have been good game management because if it's incomplete, well, you stop the clock. That, that's smart. Uh, it would have been taking a chance. It would have been everything that made sense, which is kind of the opposite of what they did. Well, was Joe Flacco one for one on deep balls? There was a, I think deep? there was one on Emmanuel late in the game down the right sideline that went out of bounds. Right. I don't know how right. that, that counts was as medium. A, yeah, uh, I think he might have been one for one on deep balls. Like, wasn't that the whole thing? Yep. Throw deep balls. Yep. And and the offensive line let him down. I'm sure you could probably point to three or four different times in the game where maybe they wanted to set up a deep ball and Joe didn't have the time. But man, it just. Hmm. A lot of things that I expected to happen did not happen. No. No. And, and, and a lot of things that we saw happen last year happened. So, again, we're going we're gonna to have more on this later on the website. Mace is on the ground in Oakland right now getting ready to churn out some content. Uh, we'll have a couple different things from him, stuff from Zach, stuff from me. Make sure you subscribe to bsndenver.com to get all of our post-game reaction. Let's take a quick break here, Zach, and when we come back on the other side, we'll finish up our thoughts on this frustrating, frustrating loss for the Broncos. What's up, guys? Ryan Koenigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward and anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. All right, final segment here on the BSN Broncos podcast. And, man, looking backwards is it's difficult. So let's look forward a little bit. Zach, <laughs> I can't help but bring up 
what you said on Friday's podcast, which was essentially lose this one and uh, it's over. Is that how you're feeling right now? Well, it, it my feeling was if you lose this one, how can you feel good about looking ahead? It look, look at any game on the schedule. Uh, I think when I said if they lose this, maybe there's two games on the schedule you say they win. Uh, Detroit at home, maybe you sit, may, maybe you can look at the schedule and say they win that one still. And the Titans at home, what the Titans just did yesterday, you can't look at that game and and say that the Broncos will win that one after what they did yesterday and what you did tonight. So maybe even feeling worse about looking ahead now. I'm not saying they're gonna they're they're a one in fifteen team, but you cannot take tonight's game and look. We can only take tonight's game. We can't. The Broncos are not the New England Patriots that have 15 years of continuity where, where you can go back and say, look, they're going to be fine. We can look at all this past tape that they have. Look at the head coach. Look at the quarterback. No. This is a new head coach, a new defensive coordinator, uh, a new defense, a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive scheme, a new quarterback. This is all you can look at. For this team. So you can't look at this game tonight and tell me that there is that you are confident that this team is going to win five games, that they're going to win eight games, that they're going to win ten games, unless you just aren't looking at, at what happened tonight and being realistic with yourself. Your, co- your confidence has, if, you're, if you want to find confidence, has to be within the coaching staff to turn, turn the boat around, right? Because clearly the last staff couldn't do it. And they were the opposite. They started well, and then they went down the drain. You, If you're looking for a place to be confident in the Broncos right now, it's with the coaching staff. And you say, and, and they didn't give you much to feel great about tonight. I'm not going to lie about that. But you look at them and say, hey, these guys are more well-prepared to, te- to teach this team how to figure it out rather than just hoping they're going to figure it out. Like There were so many times where Vance Joseph, it just felt like he was like, well – just got to start faster, and then our game plan will work. It's like, no, man, come up with a new game plan because you guys never start fast. Right. Um, spe- speaking of starting slow, another thing that came up tonight. Um, so you're hoping that they know how to, how to fix things. That's, that's where you can find confidence if you're looking for a place. But uh, if they play like that, five is a stretch. Yeah. But you have to hope that they don't play like that. Right. Uh, and I think everyone in the world who ever is going to tune into a Broncos game this season feels that way. You just have to hope that that's not the Denver Broncos. And, and I guess here's the bright side. What was it? What was their final output? 16 points? Yep. That's more than five times more than the Bears scored this week. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, you know what? I just I, I understand why it can feel like the sky is falling. Because, man, you have every reason to feel like that if you're a fan. But you go beat the Bears this week at home. You always win at home in the, op- in the opener at Mile High. And you're reset. You're back to 0-0 zero and zero with, with 14 games left in the season as I look at it. So you can't – and let's say they go have a super ugly win against the Bears and it's a last-second field goal and it's a 9-6 game. Like you're not going to be able to overlook all the issues that are plaguing the offense or whatever ends up – being but you can say okay look we cleared that off we erased that off the schedule we're back to zero and zero we gotta we have to have a winning record from here on out to have a winning record on the season all right mr brightside go away go away nate who who are the two most notable players uh on the raiders tonight on the defensive side of the ball would you say it was jonathan abrams and uh, vontes perfect they were definitely the two that stood out to me the most. The the two most notable. One is a rookie making his uh, debut, and the other is like a forty seven year old headhunter. Yeah, and and I won't. I'm not saying Vontez stood out to me for a good game. He just stood out for, to me because he was dirty as hell. How? Uh, real quick, forget about the face mask that almost ripped Joe Flacco's head off. Which like, I thought we're focusing on quarterbacks and keeping them safe. You can't even hit a guy in the shin. And this dude's getting his head ripped off with no one seeing it. Mm-hmm. He's the ball carrier. Mm-hmm. How does no? How does that get missed? Mm-hmm. But on top of that, we're trying to take like um, in the flow of the game, helmet to helmet hits out. Meanwhile, Vontez Perfect is out there just throwing his head around in dead plays, three in a row. Yep, that's not an exaggeration. On three plays in a row, he came from behind, 
and put the crown of his helmet into the back of a Bronco's head. Didn't get noticed. Three potentially ejectable plays. I bet you fines come down. Didn't get noticed. That blows my mind. Anyways, Jonathan Abram, um, electric player. I mean, he is looks like he's shot out of a cannon on every play. So uh, good for him. Also, way over aggressive. He fi- he actually got called for one. Uh, but Hard Knocks wasn't playing up that drama. That's just who he is. Not to, what was the point you were getting to? Is those those were the guys because of their their aggressive nature in play. That that's why the Raiders the, the, those who those are the guys on the Raiders defense that caught the attention. It's not like they're full of superstars. I mean, how, how many other Raiders defenders can you name off the top of your head? I mean, especially if you didn't watch the game tonight. Probably not that many, and not just you, me, uh, most people. The Bears. They're the number one defense from from last year. They lost Vic Fangio, but look, how much did they miss Vic Fangio? They they gave up, it, as Rich Gangarello would say, they probably gave up seven points too many last week against the Packers, but they held a bad Aaron Rodgers to ten, to, to, to 10 points. So I guess I'll say an impressive feat there. These are the Raiders, and you were only able to put up I'll give them the field goal in the fourth quarter. Nine points before the Raiders went into true prevent defense. What are you going to do against the Bears? Now, on the other hand, Mitchell Trubisky looked like we thought he would. He, he looked like Aaron Rodgers. Looked really bad. Tell you what and, he can do, though. Hmm. He can throw five-yard outs and, mm-hmm. and five-yard comebacks and play action passes to open receivers. This game might just be on Matt Nagy. It can, it, is he going to restrain himself and say, I'm okay with five-yard passes all game long? Or is he going to say, I want to test, and I want to try to beat Vic Fangio. I want to try to beat the guy that was my defensive coordinator last year. Because if he does that, then it could go south real fast for him, just about as quickly as Noah Fant went south to start the game for the Broncos. But if he does the dink and dunk, what's to say that that's not going to work? Every team that plays the Broncos should dink and dunk them until the off the Broncos offense shows that they can score. Right. Right? Because if you can just go down, get field goal, maybe a touchdown here or there, score twenty one to twenty four points, and hold the Broncos offense to field goal after field goal after three and out after field goal, then just do that. But you're right. I mean, maybe Matt Nagy overthinks it because he wants to flex his muscles a little bit. Um, were the Broncos even close to creating a, uh, an interception or a turnover tonight? Nope. Was zero, zero turnovers in the whole game? Zero. Is that yeah. correct? Yep. Yeah. It just, I don't know. I just feel like the the game plan took out all of, all of the strengths that we've seen throughout camp where they're able to create turnovers and cause havoc and all this stuff. It's just like there was never any scary moments for the Raiders because – they went out and executed a game plan that was very vanilla. Like, they didn't have yep. to do anything. Yep. They just did what they thought they did well and did it over and over and over again. And Derek Wolf had a quote about this. I just saw someone tweet out. Um, I don't want to spend too much time looking for it here. But it was essentially like, yeah, their offense, they just go up, snap the ball, throw it real quick, snap the ball, throw it real quick, and then and then, you know, bring in an extra lineman and run it at and run it right at you. Like it's a tough defense to defend, and I'm just like it, it doesn't seem like it should be that tough. I feel like any quarterback in the NFL can run that. Should be able to. Yeah. I mean, especially uh the number two overall pick in Mitchell Trubisky. He should absolutely be able to do that with an offensive you know, guru and Matt Nagy on his side. But Ryan, I'm the Raiders didn't do anything tremendous. They they didn't. And that's what's scary is in the NFL, it should be easy to recreate this. Vic Fangio said after the game, he said we we never felt like we had control of the run game in terms of his defense being able to stop the Raiders. And he said the stats might not back that up but we never felt like we could stop it. And he's certainly right. The stats do not back that up. Do you know the yards per carry for the Raiders as a team? Hmm. I'm going to guess right in the four range. It felt pretty good, right? Like if I, if I didn't preface it, you may say five. 
like they like they ran a lot. Yeah, it felt it felt like I only were... I only knew it wasn't too 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 good because Josh Jacobs is on my fantasy team, so I knew he had like a lot of carries. Mm-hmm. For an, a, a regular amount of yards. Well, it wasn't even in the fours. It was three and a half. It was three and a half, and the Broncos never felt like they had their run game in control. So what's that say, what, what that's saying is it, the Raiders didn't go out and run for 200 yards. Uh, they ran for 98 yards, not even a 100-yard game. And then Derek Carr, like you mentioned earlier, Joe Flacco had more passing yards than him. And here's why. And Vic Fangio detailed this very well, and I hadn't thought of it this way until he said it, but it totally makes sense. He said even the even the the plays that we were winning, they got three yards, and you can get three yards a carry. Three yards a carry, if it's actually three yards every carry, is okay, mm-hmm. because then you're third and three, third and four. I guess you're third and four every time. M- most coaches feel okay in third and four, so. Yes, if you're averaging three yards a carry because you're going five, negative one, you know, six, zero, then that... Good math. Thanks. It was a, both of those average yeah, out yeah, to five. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting better, baby. <laughs> um, you're like John Gruden. Bo- that is when it, it, it hurts you because those, those zeros and those ones completely put you off schedule. really did feel like it was just three-yard carry after three-yard carry after three-yard carry. And Derek Carr was just would get up to the line on third and four, and they had a five yard cushion, and he'd just throw right into it and convert the first down. It's it was it was simple and kind of easy. Mm-hmm. And um, Ryan, in my head right now, what's what's going on is just oi 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 because I'm looking too far ahead. I'm looking too far ahead. But here's the reality of the situation right now. You are one game back of every team in your division. Every other team is 1-0. You're 0-1, plus the asterisk of losing your 0-1 in the AFC West as well. And another asterisk, double asterisk right now, the easiest team to beat in your division, you just lost to. That's just a reality of, of where you sit right now. With Oh, by the way, a short week with a 12-4 and team from last year coming to town. I... They don't look like a 12-4 and team by any means, but that's who you have coming to town on the shortest... Is this the shortest week that a team can have playing the 8 p.m. game on Monday night? And it's only a one-time thing. Right. So, good luck. And you travel right now. You're traveling right now. They're going to get home at, what, 5 a.m.? Probably earlier than that. Three? Two or three. three Three-hour flight? Probably haven't left yet. Oh, they left. They get out quick. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's it can turn around really quick. Like I said, one win, and you feel a lot better about things. You lose, then you got to face Aaron Rodgers. Like it can get dark real quick too. Um, let me ask you this thing, and it came in from So on Twitter, who's tuning into the live stream. I think it was a good question. You willing to give them any slack based on the lack? I'm not saying slack, but is this a possibility for why things look so bad? The lack of reps in the preseason. No. You know how many reps Josh Jacobs had in the preseason? What was it? He had one series. He's a rookie. And he had one series. So, no. Absolutely not. But, but, this is a new offense, a new defense, a new quarterback. All of these things, with hindsight now, you look at Sean McVay, who's like, we've had the same team since I got here. Those guys don't need anything. In hindsight, you maybe look and say, mm, maybe this team needed a little more time to gel. I don't. It's not necessarily an excuse, but maybe a criticism. Like, I'm with it. I, I'm not letting any of my guys go down in the preseason. So I understand. I understand the decision. But maybe you look back and say, yeah... Maybe they needed a little more time to understand these both sides of the ball to understand the schemes. Yeah, next week at training camp, you had all the training camp practices in the world. You had an extra preseason game. And if you want to buy into this theory, you're going to point to the second half. And you're going to say they had 128 yards in the third quarter. They had a touchdown where they moved the ball effectively. 
and I'm just going to say in the third quarter, it resulted in six points. In the fourth quarter, it was because the Raiders were allowing that. So, man, it is so hard for for me to feel comfortable giving that them that excuse. So, no, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, I think if you are a Broncos fan right now who is looking for something to hang your hat on, it, it just like I said earlier, it has to be, okay, in Vic we trust. In Vic we trust to straighten things out on defense, explain to them what they did wrong, fix it real quick, and you got to hope that the offense just figures out a way to create a couple big plays. I mean, that's what I've been saying all along was like, the offense needs a couple big plays every game that turn into touchdowns. You know, if if uh, Joe Flacco just throws the ball a half of a foot shorter and hits Emmanuel Sanders in stride, it's a touchdown. Little things like that, you just have to hope they click. And again, it's going to come down to the defense. Like, 24 points a game, this team will be 5-11, and 6-10. Yep. They, they have to... Figure it out, and you have to trust in Vic Fangio to get that right. What have we said? The formula for this team is very, very clear. Average offense. Maybe just above average. Maybe 13th offense, 14th, 15th offense in the league. Elite defense. Whether you want to say that's top five, top three, top one, tonight was not an elite performance anywhere. From your star pass rushers to your secondary to the coaching uh, to the beginning, to the end, it, it wasn't anywhere. When they needed a play, they never got it. And it can't happen. It can't. Th- th- this, this defense has to be elite, what, 14 out of 16 weeks? For, for this team to you know truly be in it, to hover above 500, to be competitive down the stretch. Well, they're 0 for 1. Yep. I, I'm you saying. Maybe get one more mulligan? Yeah, sure. I'll give them that. But, I mean. It's it's hard when they've got when they've played at an elite level zero percent, you know, yep. to say okay, well they can just go ahead and <laughs> do it night and then do it ninety percent of the way the rest of the way here. But that's I mean that's what it comes down to. Like I, I've been saying all along, I truly believe this defense was going to be the best in the league, and tonight, not it at all. For this team, you have to believe that Vic Fangio can say. Uh, okay, here's where our issues were. Here's what our errors were. I can fix that. You know, it's like Mel Tucker after the CSU game said, I kind of expected us to struggle in these few areas, but you never know until you get out there. I know these things are fixable. I can fix it. Maybe Vic Fangio says the same thing. Hey, look, I can fix this stuff. That's what he's getting paid a lot of money to do, Zach. So if you want to believe in the Broncos, you, you it starts and ends with Vic Fangio. And speaking of Vic Fangio, how he summed up the game, he said he was extremely disappointed but not discouraged. Where are you in that boat? Absolutely absolutely not. I put ex- <laughs> I put extremely in front of both of those D words, extremely disappointed, extremely discouraged. Vic can't say that after week 1. So I I think he said the the absolutely right thing, but I mean, could you imagine if he gets in front of the team and says Man, I'm extremely disappointed and extremely discouraged. <laughs> Let's go get them tomorrow. I uh, I'm going to give them one more week before I press any crazy buttons. But I am extremely disappointed <laughs> and slightly to fairly to <laughs> solidly discouraged. Everything but the E word. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going extremely yet. I'm not going extremely yet, but um, not fun. No, no, it certainly wasn't. We we can't end this podcast on a duet of SpongeBob fun. Yeah, maybe the preseason was good <laughs> after all. All right, I think that's gonna wrap it up for us here on the BSN Broncos podcast. We are going to dive right into a couple articles. Uh, so. I'm sure you guys will just stay up, refreshing your page, (laughs) waiting for us to finish those. But if not, I'm sure you can check them out tomorrow morning on bsndenver.com. Thanks for everyone who tuned in on the live stream. And, of course, thanks to all of you for listening in every day. We'll see what happens. Talk to you guys later.
If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. Uh, wines, I find them extremely helpful in ha helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.